At every media organization, you have to figure out how you're going to tell people what you're working on, right? Like a media company is just a list of stories and every place I've worked has had a different way of managing this. People do it like, you know, inside a Word document or they have special software, all sorts of things. But the, the very worst thing that I ever saw a media company do was one where anytime you were working on a story, you had to email the entire company. You'd go into your Gmail and you'd fire up a little note saying, hey, Google just bought a company and I'm going to write it up. And then you'd send it to every single person in the company. But that's just sort of how email evolved, right? Email just became this all-purpose tool and it got completely out of control. And I longed for a world in which people could just keep that thing to maybe the three or four people who actually cared, right? And not send it to everyone who drew a paycheck from the same corporation. And then Slack came along and the world started to finally move in that direction. This is that the, the clouds are parting. The grace of God is pouring down on you at this point. A light shined down from heaven. And it said, hey, jerk face, stop emailing the whole company. Signed, the sales team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love Slack. Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I'm your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant. Today, I'm joined by my good friend and colleague who didn't show up when I was in San Francisco <laughs> to get a beer with me. And this is a public shaming, really, why I invited him here. Casey Newton, Silicon Valley editor of TheVerge.com and former friend. I'm a big jerk, and Chris, you're kind to have me on. You know what? You're right. <laughs> on both counts. <laughs> Today, we're talking about Slack, uh, which, oh man, if you're not using it, you don't work in the media, I guess. <laughs> you have another job. <laughs> Get with the program. It's 2016. Change your life. Uh, Casey, tell, tell us what Slack is for, you know, the millions of people who don't work on the media, but maybe watch the Super Bowl this year, and they're like, well, that was a cute commercial, I guess. Right. So Slack, at its very core, is a tool for communicating with your team. Uh, picture a giant window that has conversations between you and everyone you work with organized into channels. Um, so for example, you might have a, a channel that's just for like all company-wide announcements, and you might have a channel that's just for a small team. And it started out being used in workplaces, uh, particularly a lot of tech startups here in uh, Silicon Valley. But what we've seen in the last two years is Slack is just being used for this ever-increasing number of things. People are running conferences on Slack. They're running their fraternities or sororities on Slack. Or they just set up these social groups to talk to like-minded people about common interests. Uh, for example, there is a Slack that consists entirely of former Twitter employees talking about Twitter uh, that I desperately want to get invited to, uh, but have so far failed to do. Um, so, uh, so that's Slack, um, again, just kind of a big chat window with channels for everything. And I do mean everything at our company. There is a channel devoted entirely to discussing Beyonce. Okay. So before we go further, I, I want to compare Slack to IRC because that's a, the immediate comparison for me. Uh, yeah. but before we can even do that, 
IRC uh, maybe even more uh, difficult to understand or just distant from most people's lives than Slack. Yeah. So you're you're such a nerd, Chris. I was trying to spare people from this, but since you asked, I will go down the rabbit hole and explain Internet Relay Chat to people. Oh wow, that's what it means. Yeah, it stands for Internet Relay Chat. Um, Fell for it, nerd. <laughs> IRC is a protocol that facilitates communication in the form of text. That's from Wikipedia. What it means is there is a server that gets set up to host chats. You install a piece of software on your computer that communicates with that server, and then you and everybody else who's communicating with that server gets to chat back and forth. It's one of the like oldest forms of internet chat. It goes back like 20 years. And how how is that different than, say, Slack? Because, I mean, both of these seem like... Uh, glorified chat rooms at first blush absolutely in fact when i came to the verge we communicated using irc so moving to slack was was very natural for us because irc really is the foundation of slack if you've used both slack will probably look pretty similar you still have channels of conversations organized around topics you can still privately message other people you can scroll back to see the history of the chat But Slack is different because of what it calls integrations. And the idea is that you can install other kinds of software inside Slack. For example, a bot that searches for animated GIFs and inserts them into conversations. Or if you work at a software company, you can have a bot uh, that posts every new review of your app in the App Store, like inside a dedicated channel. Um, Some companies will run a channel that contains every tweet posted about them, and that, that all gets automated. And so when you add enough of these, Slack starts to feel much different than IRC. It's not just about chat with your coworkers. It's more like a command console for your workplace, kind of a a single spot where you get this at-a-glance look of everything that's happening within the organization. And as a side effect of that, people find that it, it generally reduces the amount of internal emails that they have to send. So needless to say, I'm not emailing the entire company every time I get a story idea anymore. Yeah, I feel like it's a chat room where only half the people are human. <laughs> like, like, and maybe not even half, I mean, yeah, depending on the workplace, yeah. We have so many bots in our chat room, and like, it, it turns uh, your software into coworkers. <laughs> like, like, I'm getting <laughs> right. updates from CrowdTangle or Trello uh, as if it's a person being like, oh, hey, I was uh, just scrolling around and thought you'd like this. And, and one of the things that's great about that is like, isn't that exactly what we thought the future was going to be like? <laughs> that we were going to have a bunch of robot butlers doing things for us? Like, that's exactly what Slack <laughs> has created. And like all great creations, we're like, oh, I have too many Slack rooms to worry about. <laughs> yeah, Not like, exactly. oh, I have robots who tell me everything I need to know. Yeah, exactly. It just becomes a different sort of disaster. <laughs> okay. Uh, the origins of Slack. It's I wild. have heard that its creators were trying to create a video game and that that video game was uh, not good. And instead they made Slack. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, certainly the video game was not successful. Uh, I didn't play it myself, but but Slack like among uh, you know, what we call the unicorns in Silicon Valley, so companies that are valued at at least a billion dollars. Um, Slack probably has the weirdest origin story of any because it did start out as a video game. It was founded by this guy named Stuart Butterfield, uh, who is sort of already beloved uh, in Silicon Valley because he had previously founded Flickr, kind of one of the original like web 2.0 apps. 
But Flickr got bought by Yahoo, and you know Yahoo, as it does, kind of gradually ruined the product. And so Stuart left, and he really wanted to make a video game. So him and his team raised some money, and they built a game called Glitch. And while I didn't play it, it sounds a little bit like Minecraft. It was this 2D game you played in a browser. There wasn't really any combat. Instead, there were a bunch of collaborative activities around like crafting and building a world. And believe it or not, Chris, this was not a huge hit. Hmm. Um, it came out in 2011 and was shut down a year later. But the Glitch team, uh, while they'd been building the game, had been making this tool uh, that helped them build it. It was like IRC, but it had these integrations that I mentioned. For example, you could drop in a link to a Google Doc, and the document would pop right up in the chat window. And that right there was basically the origin of Slack. And how, how did it spread from there? I mean, how did it go from a thing that this team is using to, it seems like very quickly, uh, a thing that you are embarrassed to not be using in the media? Yeah, it's certain. I think it is probably the fastest growing enterprise software tool of all time. Um, you know, when Slack realized that Glitch wasn't going to be a hit, they went out and sort of used the money they had left over to turn it into Slack, introduced it uh, to their friends and family, and one thing led to another, and it now has 2 million daily active users, which is more than most startups uh, ever get. Um, so how did it spread so quickly? Well, I think it spread through what I think of as the Twitter principle, which is if you can get most of the new startups to use something and most of the media to use something, it just starts to feel inevitable. It's like the future generation of companies have all started adopting this thing and journalists are inside it every day. And so they're likely to talk about it with their own sort of very large audiences. And so Slack was just able to gain this incredible awareness in the world in a way that like Salesforce probably never did or, you know, Microsoft Azure. Um, it was being used by kind of the everyday rank and file workers and uh, got a ton of word of mouth advertising. Okay, uh, I, I didn't prepare you for this this little question here. Oh, God. Okay, I know. I go. hope you're ready. But Pop quiz. I remember uh, Campfire before this. Did you use sure. Campfire? It was almost identical uh, yeah. for me. Minus the integrations just didn't work as well. Uh, yeah. But how, how did this one click when it, it's not like it was a wholly original idea? Uh, right. Other people had done this and uh, not failed, but it just didn't seem like they got even close to as far as Slack. Yeah, I think in the case of Campfire, Campfire was one of a range of products made by this company, 37 Signals. 37 Signals has a relatively small number of developers. I just don't think it was ever their top priority. With Slack, they focused all of their resources on just making this one thing. And... Um, and they just seem to evolve a lot faster. Uh, Slack has another big competitor called HipChat, which was actually the thing that we used at The Verge before we moved to Slack. And HipChat really feels very similar to Slack, except that the integrations are just a lot better in Slack. And so um, if you were, no matter what part of the organization you were in, there was probably something that Slack could do that nothing else could do. And so it just kind of gained this sense of inevitability among you know, people in the organization. Okay, so I know about lots of boring uh, things that I can add to Slack that make my professional life better. But I'm mm -hmm. curious if you have any favorite inessential features 
uh, that have made Slack more like a home than an office. I don't think it's a home. We, we can talk about that later. Like you should limit your Slack use. Like as useful as I think it is, like ultimately it's still a corporate tool, and and I don't think you should make your home there. But one thing that I love is the way that you can leave um, emoji comments on. Uh, people's sentences. So, for example, whenever anybody says something really funny in Slack, I just add a little um, trophy to it. Um, it's uh, similar to like favoriting a tweet or liking somebody's Facebook status message, except Slack. And this idea that I think was really original said, "Hey." Why don't we just let you comment with whatever emoji you want? And so frequently, like, you know, our CEO will announce something and people will comment with like seven or eight different emoji. And it's often like really funny. And there's a little counter by it. So you can be like, all right, like he got eight trophies and nine Vox Medias and three emojis of his head spinning. And it's it's totally absurd, but it does make the communication feel really fun in a way that you know few of these similar services ever really managed uh you mentioned the home thing we'll get to that in a second but before that uh as we have all this goofy stuff like oh i'm talking to my ceo and when we say uh goofy little things uh except a lot of the things that we talk about in slack not so goofy super private uh business secrets should i be worried about security on something like this versus you know like the security i i have on my gmail account i i think so um you know slack is a software company like every other most software companies do experience some sort of hack so it's not likely to happen tomorrow but it does seem entirely possible that your organization slack could get hacked or or maybe it doesn't even get hacked right maybe some um employee like on their way out the door says oh i remember somebody said that really inflammatory thing you know in this one channel and then they go take a bunch of screenshots and leak it to the press afterwards right um i think you know slack does feel this like this kind of internal clubhouse for your company and so people are more likely to speak freely there um than they would at you know let's say a microphone um and yet you know at the end of the day there is a decent chance some of that stuff could become public. Now, of course, you know, Slack has invested a lot in security. It has not been hacked to date. But in its very early days, there was this sort of embarrassing thing where if you knew the name of an organization, so for example, if you knew that there was a Google Slack and it was at google.slack.com, there was a way where you could see every single um, channel within that group, which, you know, in some cases could have shown you the product roadmap, right? If there was a, I don't know, Nexus 8 channel. You'd be like, oh my gosh, Google's already working on the Nexus 8, right? And so Slack fixed that right away, and, and there sort of hasn't been anything since. But, you know, software companies just generally aren't able to anticipate everything that that people are going to do with their software. And so, you know, there there can be leaks. Okay, home life, uh, work-life balance. Yeah. Let's talk about it. I, I It seems like I'm hearing a lot more about Slack outside corporate culture, uh, where yeah. friends tell me that they're using it for watching The Bachelorette. Not that I would be part right. of such a thing. <laughs> is is this something that you are aware of, that this is becoming a trend? And also, is it something that you like, or it sounds like something that you uh, are skeptical of? So I, I do like the idea of people using Slack for 
things that are not just work because I think it's useful. For example, uh, for the past couple of years, I've gone to this festival called XOXO in Portland. It's wonderful. And this year they ran the entire festival on Slack, which seemed super counterintuitive. But then like they created a lost and found room inside of Slack. Think about how useful that is, right? Like you don't have to go to a physical location. You could just go into a Slack room on your phone and say, hey, um, I lost a pair of earrings. Has anybody dropped that off? And then they could send you a private message and say, hey, like what are the earrings look like, right? Like that to me is super smart. Or, you know, they could post announcements about the festival. Like, hey, everybody, don't forget, like, you know, be back by 1 p.m. for our next talk. Super useful, a very clever use of Slack. And, you know, if you're going to a conference in the next year or so, like, don't be surprised if you get invited to the Slack group ahead of time. So you can actually get to meet uh, some of the people you're going to meet in real life in advance. Um, I think that's really interesting. Um, I also got invited to an LGBT Slack for LGBT people to talk about LGBT things. And, um, you know, it seems like a very useful discussion forum. I myself, um, really only look at my work Slack and I only look at it during work hours because Slack for all of its benefits really can demand a ton of your attention and there's only so much work you can get done while you're, you know, just kind of typing funny little messages to your colleagues. Um, you know, some of those messages are like serious and about real things, but you know, Slack often can devolve into silliness and while that's fun like I think you have to kind of quarantine it toward like a a particular time window in your life yeah I agree (laughs) right like yeah I I mean I I it's it feels even more dangerous than email because I I I guess we had gotten to a point where coworkers accepted that you weren't going to open your email after a certain point I don't necessarily think it's within the traditional work hours, but it would be like, oh, after 10 o'clock, no, you're not going to open it. But I am shocked how often I will get pinged very late uh, on Slack versus when somebody I think would feel comfortable pinging me on email. And also because they know that it'll reach you uh, because it is like text message almost. Uh, Yeah. Except weirdly acceptable in terms of, I mean, that's the good and bad of it for me, right? Like, when you have a work Slack, the advantage that it has over something like GChat or Instant Messenger is you don't have to ask to be on anyone's friend list. Like, mm-hmm. everyone in your company's on it. The CEO's on it. Like, the interns are on it. Anybody can theoretically reach out to anyone else that they'd like, and it's not a huge hassle. Right. But the flip side of that is anyone can reach out to anyone they like. And it's not a yeah, huge I mean, hassle. I always think it's crazy how, like, you know, when I sign on to Slack, often within 60 seconds, somebody will send me a message. And and I always am like, like, were people just like really like looking at my like little indicator like window? Like just so the second I popped on, they could send me a message. Um, but that's made me really control my use of Slack. I use it when it is during the workday. I never have Slack open on the weekend. I never have it open when I'm like at home in the evening. If somebody sends me a message, maybe I'll hop on for a couple of minutes. But like... There are a lot of good reasons to only use it while you're working. Okay, here's here's a weird final question that I have. Uh, for for someone who is listening to the show and their workplace is not on Slack, how would you recommend they give it a try? Sash, is there really a good way for you to try it if it's not something that you and your friends are talking about or your work is forcing on you? 
Yes, uh, there is a free version. The free version is very popular, and you can actually hold up to something like 10,000 people can join your free Slack. So most organizations will probably fit inside of a Slack. And you just kind of create um, a name for your Slack. You invite your colleagues through their like you know email addresses. And then next thing you know, uh, you're running Slack. And you can kind of test it out, play around with it, see if it makes your life any easier. That's great. Create a good gift room. Everybody loves a good gift. <laughs> Welcome to the internet. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. It was my pleasure. I, if I couldn't do it in real life, I'm ha- happy to do it <laughs> virtually. That's so sweet. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of What's Tech. We are here every Tuesday. You can find us on TheVerge.com if you'd like to read more stuff by Casey and me. I, me. Like me is right. Oh my me. god! Yeah. Uh, you can also find the show on SoundCloud and iTunes and all sorts of other podcast platforms. We recommend iTunes because you can leave a review and it helps spread word about the show. And that's it. Uh, thank you to my my producer who makes this sound a thousand times better than it actually is, Andrew Marino. We will talk to y'all next time. Bye. I do. Uh, I do. I do all the voices on the show. I do you. I do the theme song. You do Kermit. I do Kermit. Yeah, that's, that's great. Here, here we go.